We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. We talk about it every year at this time, how to keep the peace at the dinner table over the holidays. Certain subjects such as politics, race, religion, and many others often lead to arguments and verbal wounds that are hard to heal. Joining me with advice on how to avoid contentious confrontations is clinical psychologist Dr. Marva Robinson. She's in private practice with the Pre- with Preston and Associates and also does some work with the Veterans Administration. Is that correct, Barbara? That's correct. Great to have you back with us. You Thanks know, for we've, having me. We've had this conversation before, and the last time we talked, the first question was, this is going to be a particularly bad year <laughs> for some of these conversations, and yeah. here we are again. We could start it the same way. I thought about that. I yeah. thought about our last talk and the things that came up and politics and particularly community relations was really big on the table at that time. Mm -hmm. So I thought nothing could top that year, but here we are. (laughs) Well, you know, you got to talk when you sit down with a group and with a family. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is that not everybody thinks the same way about about everything. What's what's your best advice in getting ready for that sit down? Well, my best advice would be um, to keep the hot topics for after dinner. You know, there's always dessert and there's always chatter around the fireplace or outdoors. So anything that may be controversial, I'm not saying totally avoid it, but you can hold it. And so to keep the dinner conversation about things that are personal, you know, because it's also a time to get to know your family. Some people you haven't seen for a couple of years. Some are college students coming home for their first break. And so it's good to, you know, delve into their lives before you get into um, any controversy with mm. with the other stuff. Is it a good idea to put things, certain topics off limits, just say to everybody before you start, hey, let's not talk politics? I would totally agree with that, mm. especially if um, you have guests that are not related. Mm. You know, your family may have a certain belief and everyone's on the same page, but you don't know where your guests are. Mm-hmm. So if you keep it, you know, set ground rules at the beginning, that way you're sure that everyone can walk away having enjoyed the food and remembering the memories of the polite conversation versus more of the conflict in the discussion. Mm. If, nonetheless, certain subjects do come up, how how do you handle that? There's got to be a referee, or do you send someone to the corner, or what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, depending on who it is, you you certainly can't send, like, an elder or a senior person to the Mm -hmm. corner, right? That would be disrespectful. But the hostess or the host gets the honor of being the referee. Mm -hmm. It should be an unspoken rule. And so the host knows that they have spent hours preparing for a memorable meal, and they don't want it ruined. So if they have a safe word that's agreed upon, Mm -hmm. and and they give that look or they give that safe word, it's time to change the subject. Well, I guess there are times, too, when it's okay if it's done civilly, a word we're hearing a lot uh, lately, to have a a meaningful, thoughtful discussion if you do it without contention. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great, especially if you go into the conversation with the mindset of um, everyone will not agree with me. So this will be my opportunity to hear and learn from people I trust and support what the opposing view is. And so if you walk into it with that kind of an open mindset, it could be a very pleasant experience. Do you have any advice for once this conversation gets started, and let's say it is a little bit uh, iffy on, uh, on the edge, um, how to diffuse it? 
In other words, find a way to maybe continue the discussion or not, but do it in a way that will bring it back down to a better level. Right. So I, mm-hmm. I usually tell a lot of people that to, to keep the acronym PITCH in mind, right? Mm-hmm. And that way, if you kind of set the ground rules in the front, it kind of can guide things to avoid any pitfalls. So PITCH, you know, the P stands for personal, you know, and it's always great if every person can talk about what their highs and lows were for the year. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we have family members that are struggling with things that we don't even know about. And so what better way to talk about those than at that time, you know? You could talk about a charity project. Mm-hmm. You know, what will we do with the leftovers? Do we plan to <laughs> donate them? What will our Christmas project mm-hmm. be? And so when you when you take the focus on to helping others, that's a great way to diffuse because who can argue about yeah. charity? Um, or you can have another individual that's really good at restructuring the conversation, you give them that nudge under the table and they can kind of step up and take it in a different direction. We're going to be talking later this week, as we do every year, such as our conversation is almost an annual event, about the notion of taking family histories. You, you can, you can uh, meet with the elderly folks who find out what they're all about, what their lives were like. So you, Absolutely. you don't regret later on that you never ask those kinds of questions. Absolutely. Um, and, and part of that acronym for T is traditions, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to take that moment to listen to the stories about the family before you were born. Those are stories that you'll never get to hear again. Mm-hmm. So recording them or writing them down, getting the family history, that's an amazing way um, of getting history. I teach at Webster University as well, and we're all about genograms and family history. It's so important to capture that. What do you think does the most damage? Is it tone or content? I think tone, because sometimes it's not what you say, it's Mm. how you say it, right? And Mm. so um, tone is one that often the person saying it doesn't hear as well as those that are picking up and on the receiving end. And so just to kind of ensure that um, things don't go left, you know, it's good to get a signal from someone if your tone is a little bit off or just to steer clear of certain conversations altogether. Yeah. It seems like there's always an Uncle Fred at the <laughs> at the dinner table, ornery, cantankerous perhaps, mm-hmm. and he or she, if it's Aunt Edna, mm-hmm. uh, are going to have their way regardless of what other people Absolutely. Seeing. And that's where you come in with the laughter and you say, oh, I just love you because you know they're not going to change. So you allow them to have their peace and you focus on what their good qualities are. Mm-hmm. And then you ask yourself why that aunt or that uncle is going off. In this moment, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? And if you want to be happy, you'll let them say their piece and you won't be offended. But if you want to be right, then it can go in a different direction. I, I want to give the uh, audience an opportunity to get into this conversation Great. with uh, Dr. Marvin Robinson. 382-8255 is our number. That's 382-TALK. You can send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or send us a tweet at STL on air. What about alcohol? This is a a villain sometimes. Right, right. Well, anything in excess is not good, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't say that alcohol is a no-no. But again, you anything in excess can kind of tempt things. So, you know, usually that's why I say certain things you can wait till after the dinner because usually by then if you're on glass number two, dinner is over, you've mm-hmm. made it through, and then you can have whatever conversations you like. Um, so you... You know, you'll have those that may bring alcohol or that offer it, but you just want to be mindful um, of those that may indulge a bit too much 
and be respectful for those who may be living a sober life and are wanting to steer clear of it. Hmm. We, we have a question here about uh, uh, situations and subject matters that are particularly offensive. We can talk about race, abortion, some of those things that mm-hmm. really get people going. Mm-hmm. Again, do we go back to the ground rules thing here or – How do you stop? I think the ground rules is your best bet way of ensuring a smooth dinner, whether if the conversation gets heated or not. So one of the ground rules may be, so we'll talk about abortions. Everyone gets, you know, two minutes or whatever to say their piece, and then it's on to the next person. You can choose to pass or not. And so that way, everyone gets their opinions heard and that's okay. We can disagree, but we're still family. But, but, But if you object to something that is particularly offensive, you should speak up, shouldn't you say that? I find that offensive? You can say I find that offensive or you may choose to hold objections to the end after mm-hmm. everyone's gotten a chance to say their piece and then you can, you know, you can have rebuttal. It can be cordial. Um, but if the goal is that no one leaves the table angry or no one pounds on the table or uses any profanity, mm-hmm. it's okay to disagree and still have a meal. We have a caller here who wants to get into this uh, conversation. Let's bring in Dennis. He's calling from Overland. Dennis, go ahead. Actually, Don, it's uh, Guanajuato now, but uh, that's where I used to be. But uh, uh, at any rate, I... I really do appreciate your, uh, your guest and your ideas, and uh, I, I'm always concerned, though, uh, because I think we do not discuss politics and religion enough, and uh, and so therefore uh, we quite often uh, get, end up being separated. So uh, your idea, uh, the idea of doing it later, uh, hopefully civilly, and uh, and maybe having a youngster with a computer. I suggested off air the idea of using Snopes, uh, you know, for fact checking and, uh, and and but I, I don't I think I, I think it's healthy to have uh, some discussion, but also uh, I guess you have to watch uh, you know you don't want to ruin everybody's party, and uh, but at the same time uh, I, I think it's good for the youngsters to to share their thoughts with the olders and. The, uh, I, I would be the Uncle Denny as opposed to poor <laughs> Uncle Fred. You know? So, uh, but uh, uh, I, I do think it's. Uh, I think, like I said, I use Snopes, and I'm not always happy with what I get there. So, I kind of respect it. <laughs> so, thanks for the show, Dennis. Thanks for the call. Thank you. He brings up an interesting point mm-hmm. about having youngsters at the table. This is another factor that mm-hmm. should be uh, should be considered as well because you know kids are like sponges. They soak up what they hear and they can be very much affected by an argument. And that can also help keep the temperature Mm -hmm. in the room. You know, you, you, some families may want to be mindful of what they say or how they say it in front of children. So that's, that's a good nonverbal checker to have in the room. But I love the idea of fact checking, you know, having someone who is bipartisan to do the fact checking on the laptop or on their, on their phone. That's great. I mean, that way you have someone who's not claiming a side that can just say what is written. Um, and definitely, I agree that families should be able to have these conversations. Um, the great thing about having these conversations with family is at the end of the day, you're still related by blood. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not like with a friendship, you can you know, run the risk of ruining it. You will still be related mm-hmm. the next day. So having these conversations with family can work and they should. You know, it's 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 healthy. But these uh, these these dinners sometimes include people who aren't members of the family. That and is that correct. Is yet another dynamic that has to be considered. What 
kind of advice do you have for that situation? That is correct. So if you are bringing a guest to the family and you know what the temperature usually is, you may want to warn that friend in advance that, yeah, my family loves for you to speak up, or you may want to just hang back in the conversation until it feels right for you to jump in with the conversation. Or, again, if this is something that you all talk about after the dinner, it could be, you know, joining the discussion at your own risk. (laughs) No feelings are meant to be hurt. It's not meant to be personal, but it will be a lively discussion. And then in that case, it's okay to have guests join in. The uh, I just had lost my train of thought there. I was thinking of Snopes and the and the idea of the <laughs> computer being uh, at the table during these kinds of discussions. But what what else comes to mind as as things to be uh, wary of at, during these uh, get-togethers? Well, you know, there's there's always um, anything that's a hot topic, whether it's international news, anything that. You know, makes the five o'clock news, whether it's violence or, you know, policy changes in schools. These are all topics that can evoke emotions, especially if it includes children. Um, Having um, elections just recently go over, that's certainly going to be a hot topic. Who was pleased with them, who wasn't, and race relations. Um, So these are all topics that will certainly bring about discussion. Um, Our latest Supreme Court. Um, justice added, you know, so there's a lot of different dynamics. All of these topics can can lead to hours of discussion. So um, I anticipate several of those will make the, the dinner discussion. Yeah. There are always people, not always, but there are people who delight in uh, pushing the buttons when they know the buttons are gonna, <laughs> where the buttons are going to lead. Uh, again, you, you can't always anticipate this. Is there anything that comes to mind with regard to that? You know, again, you know, I, I would recommend first taking a deep breath before you respond. Give yourself a chance to collect your thoughts. And if it's a burning response you want to give, that means it's probably an emotional one. Mm. So, again, you may want to ask yourself before you start speaking in this moment, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? before you make your response. Along these lines, we just uh, had an email from Madonna in Crestwood. She writes, St. Louis comedian Kathleen Madigan says the reason parents can push your buttons is because they installed them. How do you keep family (laughs) dinners from falling prey to the captive audience problem of a parent or elder who uses a family dinner to rail on about a hot button item? Well, you know, you do want to give them that space because they are the elder of the family. So in some, you know, they've they've earned that right. Um, and yes, they have installed them, but that's that's the genius of the question. You know they've installed them, so you know that they know they know how to push your buttons. Mm-hmm. So if you disarm those buttons before the dinner, there is no button left for them to push. Mm-hmm. So that may require forewarning some guests or other family members or a secret conversation in the kitchen before we all go out to meet, you know, the person who likes to um, hold everyone captive. But... Um, just disarming yourself before it if you already know it's going to happen because mm-hmm. you can't change what a person's going to say, but you can change how you respond to it. Are we making too much of this? Does this happen a lot, do you think? It absolutely happens a lot. Really? <laughs> when we didn't have this segment, um, I got questions about this. It happens a lot, whether if it's you know a loved one that's recently passed away and there may be um, some contentions around a will or not, or if it's the recent... Um, political climate or race relations on a job, it it definitely will come up. Anytime you have, you know, a lot of people in the room and it's a relaxed atmosphere, 
things will come up. And so it, it does happen. Hmm. We, we get some questions from time to time and about family discussions uh, concerning the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And sometimes someone has come out in the family since the mm-hmm. last family gathering. And that can be a contentious. Is there any particular way that that can be handled with a sensitivity? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely, um, for any persons that have come out, they first of all should be um, noted for taking such a brave step. And so for that individual to be able to align themselves with who the supporters are in the room, Mm -hmm. that's important. And so um, the onus is also on those who are allies or supporters to also speak up Mm -hmm. in support so that you don't have an individual who's already in a vulnerable space feeling as if, they're fighting a battle alone. Mm-hmm. A lot of times someone will tell you afterwards, oh, I, I agree with you. I just didn't want to say anything because, well, you know, that's certainly the best time to stand up um, and be supportive so that it's a balanced conversation. Yeah. I have a question here uh, asking for some strategies for dealing with the anxiety many people feel heading up to the gathering, leading up to the, the, uh, the <laughs> gatherings. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, diaphragmatic breathing, some meditation, <laughs> um, and then putting inserting something fun for you as a part of that dinner tradition. So rather if that's, you know, a game of charades or um, bringing or someone leading what the topic will be or talking about, like I said, charity or a donation, those are ways that you can kind of build in some anti-anxiety activities so that it's not such a high-pressured event. Because if you are really anxious, it may come off that way Mm -hmm. inadvertently. And so you want to do some things for yourself before the dinner, during the dinner, and afterwards Mm -hmm. to kind of bring those levels down. Let's move away from the dinner table for just a, a moment or two and talk about the workplace. Because same kind of dynamic going on where people uh, work uh, side by side in their cubicles and have differing points of view. What kind of suggestions do you have for uh, keeping the workplace civil? Well, one of the things you always have to remind yourself is that um, our opinion is our opinion, right, as well as their opinion is theirs. Um, Their opinions or thoughts may not have a direct um, result on my life and my well-being, but this is still my coworker who I still have to work with. And so it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have different opinions. In fact, if you listen to the opposing side, you'll learn a little bit more as to why people feel so strongly as the way that they do. And that just makes you a more well-rounded conversationalist because you can argue or debate both sides. Is there a a particular way to do that, though? I mean, we read and hear from time to time uh, in which it's said that you know, I've listened to you and I disagree with you, but here I would like for you to listen to me now and, and uh, so I can explain where I'm coming from on this. Right. And, then, and so that's a great way to open it. You know, I understand what you're saying and that, that you've got some valid points. Are you interested in hearing my point of view? Because if you say, now I'm going to tell you, that may make the other person defensive right away. So you want to check in to see if they're even interested in hearing what you have to say. And if they are, then you can start the dialogue. If not, it's probably best to hold that off to another time. How about social media? I mean, <laughs> we have a lot of conversations these days on social media. What kind of advice or strategies might you give people with regard to how far they would go, could go, should go in communicating with the people that way? You can make your goal to be all about the human interaction for this holiday season and set a goal to minimize or limit 
or omit your social media mm-hmm. contact. If you do choose to engage, you may take a stance that I'm only going to flood my Twitter feed or my timeline with nothing but happiness and just focus on that. But whatever stance you take, focus on that and try to minimize reading opposing thoughts and peeking in on other people's pages because it can kind of, you know, ruin the moment for you. Well, you're a psychologist. What kind of damage can be done by either the dinner table conversation, the workplace conversation, or the social media conversation? Walking away feeling unheard, walking away feeling invisible or hurt, Um, especially if you find out that someone you're really close to has an opposing view from you and it's your first time hearing it and they voice it in a forceful manner. That can cause some damage to a relationship or to you personally if you choose not to say anything. So for me, it's always important to remind individuals that, you know, what did you love about that person before this conversation? And if that was strong enough for you to still salvage that relationship, then choose another day to go back to that individual and say, you know, I walked away feeling like this. Can we talk about that? Because I guarantee that person didn't realize how you felt when you walked away. And so at least give them the opportunity to to repair that. What's the best way to kiss and make up? The best way to kiss and make up is um, with a sense of humor um, or doing something that that individual loves or just breaking the tension and changing the topic. And always, always accepting responsibility for your portion of it. That's the best way to kiss and make up. What's the very worst thing you can do? I think to dig your heels in on a topic and despite others' attempts to change the subject, to not allow them to do that, especially if you're a guest. Um, Because chances are you may not get invited back next year. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings to mind a point. Should they be invited back next year? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you you may know what's coming if, in fact, there's been a problem uh, at the dinner table. You know, it's optional. You know, for the host, if it's someone that they could still build memories and not have a certain guest arrive, then that is absolutely their decision to make to not invite that individual. But if it's a family member who, you know, it's almost like they're required to be a part of the family, you may want to set some things up in advance of the dinner, maybe a couple outings with that individual, kind of talk about what happened last Mm. year, you know, have coffee with them, kind of massage things way prior to the Thanksgiving dinner. You have such great advice. And I have one (laughs) final question here, a listener who asks to remain anonymous. What do you do when your family is exceedingly prejudiced against certain racial groups? I don't wish to hotly debate my family, but if I don't say anything, how will the younger members of the family take my lack of response? Am I complicit? They could take it as being complicit. Um, however, if you are one in a in a room full of 20 that all feel the opposite way, um, you can, you know, take your stance and make your peace, make your statement, understand that you your goal is not to change or convert them, but to allow them to hear an opposing view. And as long as you make your statement and they have heard it, you've accomplished your goal. Now, will it change their minds? Probably not. But that was never your goal. Your goal was to at least make your statement heard. And so as long as you can do that, focus on the other reasons why you love them and you love being there and allow that to be your your anchor for staying at the dinner. So to sum up, set some ground rules if you think that's going to be necessary. Absolutely. Use as much humor as possible and save the really heavy conversations for dessert. That would be my recommendation. Because <laughs> you can ruin dessert, right? But you don't want to ruin dinner. No, no, you don't. And people tend to 
spread out sometimes at the dessert time. Well, clinical psychologist Dr. Marvin Robinson is would like to talk to you, as it always is. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for having me again. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. So I, I wish you the same. I'm sure it's going to be a very civil conversation in your household. <laughs> thank you again. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.